0: Hey, what's up podcast? It's Jeff. Just want to jump in here. This is a special bonus episode of Teach Better Talk. This is actually going to be a the audio uh, recorded from a Facebook live that our team is doing every single day, Monday through Friday um, at 8 a.m. Eastern time in our Facebook private group. You can get in that group at teachbettergroup.com or uh, go on to Facebook and just search Teach Better Team. You'll see our page and then you'll see the group get in there So here we go, a special bonus episode of Teach Better Talk pulled from one of our Facebook live videos in our private group at teachbettergroup.com. Hope you enjoy.
1: Amazing, Kim Strobel with me from Strobel Education. Kim, how are you doing this morning?
0: Oh, I have to tell you, this is the first time I've somewhat done my hair and put makeup on in a long time. <laughs> <do> this, <Chad. laughs> I, am,
1: I am honored that I was the reason that that happened. That's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, I know that there's a bunch of other people that are the reason for that and not me, but uh, I'm going to go with it was me. I was the reason. So, um, <laughs> Exactly. Um, uh, So a lot of crazy things have been going on. We had a little bit of a conversation going kind of before this, but like, how are you holding up uh, with, with everything going on?
0: Well, um, I, you know, I am a former teacher and I was a curriculum director and I have this kind of tag now. I'm the happiness coach. And so let me just tell you, Chad, I've had to coach myself really hard the last couple of months. Like I'm looking over here at this chair that I sit in to do like my meditation and read my books on like the abundant mindset and um and just knowing that you know how, how do I it, it's hard right because you and I are so used to connecting with educators and you're doing it you know you're showing up here on a daily basis and doing it and I'm showing up in other places but it's still just not the same as having that yeah. face, face contact and so there are days where I have like the creative juices flowing and I feel really good about how we're pivoting. And then there's times when my husband walks in here and I'm laying on the office floor crying, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: I think, I think every single educator watching right now can absolutely agree with that feeling right there. Right. Real quick. I want to say, Hey, to Jeff Gargas. I want to say, Hey, to Alex Valensek dropping in here, yeah. Holly Stewart stopping by, make sure you guys are, Drop in your questions for, uh, for Kim in the comments. Um, this will also be replayed later on our, on our on our Facebook page as well as on our podcast. So um, lots of amazing knowledge that we're about to get dropped on here from Kim, and we're really excited about that. So So let's talk about that, right? Because there are definitely good days and bad days right now that I think every teacher has experienced. There's probably days where you're like, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good. Things are maybe feeling almost normal in a way, even though I'm at my house. And then there are these other days where you're just like, what am I doing? How did I get here? So I'd love to talk through kind of like the mental processes that you use or that you would recommend other people use to avoid that roller coaster, right? To kind of stay more even keel and continue moving forward with the realization that maybe it's not going to be perfect, you're still going to have those highs and lows. But what are we aiming for, from like a happiness mentality standpoint?
0: Yeah, well, let me first start by just saying that I think teachers are, we are probably one of the most resilient people walking the earth, because this profession has and you know, I, I do straight talk, I am a real truth teller. And I just think like this profession has always, for the last, you know, 10 years or so been really, really hard. I mean, the expectations that are placed upon us are sometimes um, completely overwhelming. The types of challenges we encounter in the classroom now can't it's, it's just it's a hard profession. You know, if there's any profession that knows like, how to pivot and how to hang in there and how to keep showing up for kids. We have had to constantly be changing, and so I think that educators we 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 just know how to do hard things. Like we know how to do hard damn things sometimes, Chad. You know, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, but that being said, I think there's this whole other emotional layer that comes with this because there are students who have needed us physically present five days a week and have had us physically present five days a week. Um and they have counted on that. And now, you know, we have that that group of kids that we're 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 fearful for, we're scared for. We don't exactly know what's going on with them. We um and, and that weighs heavily, I think, on an educator's heart. You know, I always say that like nobody goes into this profession um, for the money. And you're going to work the hours of eight to three. Yeah. Like, honestly, I'll just tell you real quick, my son, who's a freshman at Indiana university, he was like doing this project. He's like, mom, why did you choose teaching? And I was like, well, you know, to be honest, Spencer, like back in the day, like I've always loved kids, but back in the day I was a business major and I was like taking a walk with my friend. And she said, you should go into teaching. Like, you know, you work seven, seven thirty to three, we're going to get our summers off. And I'm like, sounds fantastic. Like I I want my summers off. I want to be done by three. Um, Like that's literally how I chose to go into teaching. um, That's like not true at all. Right. Like there's just nobody that works harder, I think, than teachers. And yeah. And so it's like, it's one of the most like noble professions a person enters into because you don't do it for the pay. You don't do it for the hours. You do it because you have this heart that's truly called to be there for kids. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would love to kind of walk your people through some practices um, just from a happiness coaching standpoint. And let me be really clear. Being a happiness coach does not mean that I'm like sunshine and unicorns and glittered check. You know, I can like bring exactly. Scott Strobel in here right now. He's like, let me just tell you who I really
1: am. <laughs> <are." laughs> oh, absolutely. I, there's so much to unpack right there. And I want to kind of like, I'm going to bullet point out just a little bit. Yeah, just so do I can it. pull on some of that value. Um, one of the big things you just said is like the nobility of the, the, the profession at its core. Right. And I think there's nothing better than what we've seen teachers do over the last two months um, where we've essentially seen them Apollo 13, these new educational experiences and try to make this new, new uh, environment for students to learn. And even though it's not perfect, even though it's not pretty, like they're showing up, they're putting in the time, the effort and the work. And I'm seeing so much amazing growth across the country. Real quick, I want to say hi to Brian Fennell. I want to say hi to Brian, who's here. I also want to say hi to um, Alex Valinsek, who, um, and he said something kind of piggybacking off of what you said. He says, it sounds hokey and a little bit fluffy. And I think we can agree with that, which is okay. I love hokey and fluffy every now and then. We need it every once in a while. Um, but he said he didn't choose teaching, but teaching chose him. And I, I actually resonate with that a little bit, because even if you went into teaching for the schedule or for the 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 hours or whatever, you quickly realize that neither of those is an actual benefit of teaching, right? And um, you, you, you go into it and you go, this is going to be great. And then you go, oh my gosh, how much work is this? But I think it's when teaching kind of chooses you back and you kind of get invested in it, where you now go, oh, well, I'm stuck doing this now because I can't imagine myself doing anything else. And I think it's that passion. I think it's that drive that has taken a ton of teachers through a lot of this stress, um, and I, I'm not saying that it's been easy, but I think a lot of that, that foundational core passion for what we do and that nobility and that honor that we have as educators has really helped carry a lot of people through some of these things. And now, you had alluded to some some exercises and some things that um, our audience, everyone watching or listening uh, later on the podcast might be able to walk through. So. Um, um, is it okay if maybe I give you a scenario and then we can talk through some exercises? So let's say I'm a teacher. I feel like things are going well and I just have like a really crummy day. Like my students aren't turning work in. Uh, maybe I got a, a parent complaint that I'm sending too much stuff home. And it's just like, I go from all the way up here to all the way down there and I'm on the floor. Like you were saying before, um, what are some tools that you can kind of maybe provide our audience that, that could help them through kind of, leveling out emotionally or kind of working back up towards that happiness scale.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I think um, there's several things. So I think it might, might be best if I actually kind of explain the happiness research sure. and then, and then I'm, I can take you straight into some tools because sometimes just the research is an aha for all of us. Um, yeah, and- Absolutely. Yeah. So what's interesting. So I will tell you all that like I became a happiness coach because like, I think it's exactly like, um, who was it that said Alex? Yeah. Like I think happiness coach chose happiness coaching chose me because my, um, mission was really born out of my own trauma. And so I have this whole back history where I've, I suffered for years from crippling anxiety, um, and a panic disorder and, I always say like, I'm the girl who struggled in her adult life to walk to her mailbox or get in her car and drive five minutes to Walmart. And I'm the same woman who steps on a stage now with, you know, thousands of people. Um, but because of my own trauma and my own darkness, I dove into kind of this happiness and personal development field 20 years ago to, to truly claw my way out of my own struggle um and so what's really been interesting to me is when we're thinking about the happiness research um we all and i always want to clarify that because i'm like i don't want people to think i'm just all sunshiny all of the time and sure. i'm some kind of guru because it's really that i've poured myself into this uh for years but we all have what's called a set baseline happiness level okay it's a default so i don't know mine might be here and chad yours might be here And what happens is you and I, we go out and we buy a new car or we buy, for me, it might be a new pair of shoes for you. It might be a golf club, whatever, like our happiness level will go up for a period of time. And then it always goes back to whatever the default is. What's really interesting about that is the same is true for when we encounter challenges in our life. We can go through loss. We can go through grief. We can go through sickness, illness, um, lots of things that can kind of bring our happiness level down for a period of time. But the brain research is really strong that after a period of time, you actually go back to your default. And so most okay. of us have this ability to be super resilient, okay? Now, you might be like, okay, so where's the default come from? Why is mine different sure. than
1: someone else? Yeah.
0: Which is a great, yeah. That is my next. Yeah. Okay. So we have a pie chart, and 50% of your long term happiness is genetic, comes from your mom or your dad or a mixture of both. Sometimes when I tell people this, they hang their heads and they're like, I'm so screwed. (laughs) You know, (laughs) because there are certain ones. We're we're kind of born with like a sunny disposition. There's those of us walking the earth and like they're encountering the same stresses that we are at school, you know, and and they just kind of go through it and just doesn't really get to them. And then there's others of us who are like broken out in hives and feeling like the stress every day and the heaviness on our chest. And so 50% is genetic, um, but then what I find really interesting and I think it actually applies to this situation we're currently all in. Chad is only 10% of a person's long-term happiness comes from their external circumstances. And what we're all dealing with right now is an external circumstance, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Now this is not to negate the fact that right now we feel overwhelmed. We feel sad. We feel frustrated. We feel fearful. It's not to negate those feelings and say, well, the research just says it's, so." I'm, you know, it's not about that because I also think we live in this culture of positivity right now where everybody's like, just be positive, just, you know,
1: sure. just tell yourself you're happy and you'll be, yeah. Happy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: and so we can't squash down the feelings that we're having. And that's actually really important. It's really important for educators to let yourself feel the negative feelings of this situation. It's so important because what we do many times is we put a Band-Aid on it and we never deal with it. And then it goes within the body and it manifests as something else.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, yeah. So what do I mean by external circumstances? I'm going to bring this back out just a little bit and then I'm going to let you ask me some questions about external circumstances. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So only about 10% of your long-term happiness comes from things like The situation we're in right now or another situation, whether you're married, divorced, single or widowed, uh, whether you have kids or you don't have kids, what what kind of home you live in, what kind of car you drive, what kind of money you make. But we all bank on that 10%, right? We play this if, win game. Like, oh.
1: it's all, we're putting all our eggs in that basket. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Like I can return to my happiness when everything gets back to normal or if I lose 15 pounds or when we're able to buy the home that has much more room. Like we all put all of our eggs in this 10% and science is super clear. And it says, look, you're banking on the wrong things. You're counting on the wrong things. Um, and then I always ask people, I'm like, hey, who in here is a parent? Are you a parent, Chad?
1: I am. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, the happiness research says that when you become a parent, you become a little less happy for the rest of your life.
1: <laughs> yeah. That, that makes sense. I, I think. I can <laughs> no, see that. Yeah.
0: Like, we have great meaning and we have great joy in our life, but let's be real honest. You are stressed out for the rest of your life when you become a parent. So it's a little. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you.: Yeah, it's a little dip in your overall happiness. Uh, so do you have any questions about the external circumstances part?
1: Um. So, yeah, okay, so I, I, I'm trying to unpack all this kind of as you're saying it. So like my first question is about this like baseline, all right? So if, if you could just just bear with me for a second as I process just the amount of awesomeness that I just heard. So um, what I'm hearing is there's only 10 percent that I can do, or like from external circumstances, right? The rest of this is sort of like this baseline that's set. We're going to go below, we're going to go above, but we're always going to reset to this baseline. That's what the research says. That's kind of what you're saying. Um, with that in mind, should we feel like helpless because we can only control so much? Or does this leave you, because what I'm hearing is, hey, these external factors are only really affecting you 10% one way or the other. So you should be ha- you should be reveling in what is stable in this baseline and then find the happiness in your current state as opposed to looking for the next state and avoiding like this grass is greener syndrome. Some, someone said that in the in the comments. I want to give them credit. Uh, um, Dave Schmidow said, this is like understanding the difference between joy and happiness, right? Um, or uh, someone, uh, sorry, I'm just reading the comments here. Dave Schmitter also said the grass is greener syndrome. So avoiding going, I'm, I know you brought this up, and I think that's a great point is avoiding going, hey, I'm going to be happy when these things are in place. Um, so a follow-up question I have is, what does the research say about, is there, is there anything we can do to budge that 90%, to budge that baseline up in a general sense? So if I'm lethargic and, and uh, stressed out at work, if I start putting more structure in my life and, and exercising and taking care of myself, can I budge that up or if I stop doing things that were keeping it up, can it lower? Can that baseline change?
0: Yeah, so those are all great questions. And I want to tell you, I think Dave is spot on. He's actually, when he says chasing Usually growth, is. yeah, chasing growth without celebrating where you currently are is a hard balance. And so I have this thing and I say, I, I call it the if-win game and we play the if-win game. And I say, that's a problem because what we're doing is we're, we're tying our, long-term happiness to a future thing of attaining which means we're letting ourselves be robbed of all the happiness and joy that really is available for us right now and so i think there's two things you need and i'm going to pivot right off of what dave said number one is and i i'd love for you all to jot this down if you happen to have a pen and paper next to you but it's be happy in the now like even though you're going through a really hard time And I'll give you a tip for doing this in a minute, but like, can you look around and say, gosh, you know, the sun actually rose again today. It's out. It, you know, the grass is green. It's beautiful compared to the brown grass we had this winter. Like, can a person understand that they're enduring a challenge right now? But can you train your mind to still pick out the happy in the now? Now, the second piece that I want to reach out to that, that Dave said, which I think is the second piece of the puzzle is you do want to have a vision for your future. You just don't want to tie your happiness to the achievement of that vision, but it is important to have a, a vision. And you and I have, have kind of talked about this chat. Some people feel really frozen. Like some, some of us got frozen when this happened. Um, whether we were an administrator trying to lead a school Whether we were a teacher in the classroom, whether you were like you and I, you know, and and having our kind of full time businesses be in the professional development realm. It's really easy to get just freeze and say, like, I can't make a move because I don't have enough information and I don't know where we're going. But I actually think what we have to do is we have to push ourselves through that uncomfortableness and say, hey, no, like life still goes on. I still need to be making decisions. I still need to have a vision what I want this to look like six months, a year, two years down the road, there was a vision that I had before all of this happened. (laughs) And like, (laughs) I'm holding on to that vision, I'm going to be making little right actions every single day that are getting me towards that vision. But it might look a little differently how I get there now. Um, so I think those are two things that we can reach for is one, be, be happy in the now, even though you have challenging circumstances, and I'm going to give you a way to do that in a little bit, but s- still have a vision. We, a vision is what pulls us. It It's what excites us. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think that's really important. And then again, if, if 50% of our defaults, going back to your default question, 50% is genetic and 10% is our long term, our long, our external circumstances. That leaves 40% of the pie left, Chad. And like, that's the part that has fired me up for the last 15 years is regardless of our genetics, regardless of our external circumstances, every human being has the ability to increase their happiness levels by up to 40%. That's like our personal responsibility. Um, And so whenever I'm thinking about like, you know, that 10%, like we all let an external circumstance take up way more than 10% of the pie, right? Like it can be something really small or it can be something really big. But the the point that I really want to make, and I always tell people, I'm never going to be a cheerleader, so I'm not going to blow fluff. I'm a coach. And the point I want to make is where is our responsibility? Because if I'm letting an external circumstance eat up more than 10% of the pie, for a length of time that's on me. Right?
1: 100%. 100%.
0: So this is where we tell people like you have to crappy things happen, unfair things happen. A lot of injustices happen to us, but like we still have to take 100% responsibility for our life and and that's on us. And so it. yeah, and, and I and and I love what Jeff says. He says, you know, you're also then putting a time limit on your happiness. And when you do that and you don't hit whatever, what when this happens point, it crushes your happiness even more. And he's so right about that.
1: Yeah. Um, so Brian Fennell just said, uh, I think we have a fight or flight response, which is why we initially go into that. So like that's something that, um, and this is hugely resonating with me in terms of like the teach better mindset. I think there, there's a lot of crossover here, which is awesome. Um, um, but something that, um something that I think about is when we go into this fight or flight mode it's we we have two choices, right, and I think you 're alluding to this. We can either wallow in it and go well this is this is how things are now, and i 'm just going to wallow in this fight or flight survival frozen response, or I love what you said. um be happy in the now with however you can, but also keep your vision for the for the goals that you 've set. So that you can start inching and climbing your way out of this hole. Um, So uh, one of the things I always tell people is like, complaining is the biggest waste of time that you have. I'm not saying you should never complain, but if you're always talking negative, if you're always like just whining and and never doing anything about it, never taking those actions to to work towards that vision that you're talking about, you're never going to get out of that hole and you're going to just wallow in this survival or this frozen mode. I absolutely love that. And I would say that um, anyone listening right now, um, uh, I love, take responsibility for that 40%. Like I'm writing 40% down. Like I'm going to keep that on like a post-it note on my computer from now on, I think. That's just so powerful right now. Like You might not be able to play your, um, your external sources, which is 10%. You might not be able to control your genetics, which is the other 50%. But guess what? You got 40% of your happiness that you have control of. You have ownership. And a lot of times what I ta- uh, when, I, when I talk to educators, I go, focus on what you can control. And you just gave everyone the ammo they need to control their happiness of 40%. I'll take 40% increase in happiness any day. I don't know about you, Kim, but like, yeah. I'll take that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, Chad, I here's what I did for the first time in my life when all this started happening is I, I'm an activator. I'm an action taker. Like it's my superpower. When something happens, I like take action. But I did need, like I gave myself a full week to sit with what was happening in my yeah. business. So Absolutely. I, you know, I processed it, but, but there was this part of me I saw other people around me who were like, Oh, you know, I like things are slowing down. Like I can actually just lay on the couch and watch my Netflix. And, and it's great that things are slowing down. And there's a piece of me that was a little bit like, is this making me have to take a breath here and reevaluate everything? Yeah. Yeah. But I literally had to push myself and be like, look, you frozen gets us nowhere. It gets us nowhere and we can make up a million reasons for that we can say like well i just don't know where everything's going to be in the fall or i just don't even know where schools are going to be or like we can come up with a million reasons of why we can't take action but here's the thing you know what growth comes from growth doesn't come from doing easy stuff growth comes from making hard decisions that are scary and you don't know the certainty of it that's what growth comes from it comes from us saying I'm going to go ahead and make some big, bold moves right now because I don't want to lose the vision that I previously had for where we want to go as teachers and schools and districts.
1: So someone actually had a question. Uh, So Holly Stewart, uh, thanks for saying uh, she said, no wallowing, take control, take action. I love that. Um, uh, Someone also had a question. They said, have you always had this outlook or did the research sort of drive some of those, some of that outlook? So like, was it, I was always like this, but I didn't know why. Or was it, wow, now that I'm aware of how my happiness works, I can control it. Therefore I will control it. Right.
0: Yeah. So for, for me, um, I have had a lot of, and many of us have, but I've just had a really a lot of trauma in my life, Chad. Um, I think that I have a happy disposition. I have a contagious energy for life but I had endured so many really hard things in my life early on that I just really lost my way. I even have had the moment where I just didn't really know if life was worth living, to be honest with you. I have had some really hard things. And when I started to see this research and really take the time to piece my life back together, I will tell you that the version of Kim Strobel today is such a bigger, brighter version of the woman 20 years ago. Um, And I think it's because I have applied what I have learned to my life. And I am somebody who really, regardless of what's going on, for the most part, I wake up every day excited to live my life be- because I have a different lens on on how I view the world because of these kind of like happiness habits that I put in my life. And, yeah. and I would love to talk you guys through a little bit of that, that 40%. I want to at least give them one tool that they yeah. can use right now that will actually help them truly change the lens through which they see their world. Yeah, So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so that's what I'd love to do that. So I, I would love to give, like, we're getting almost like 30 minutes. I don't want to keep you here all day. I know you got things to do, but, um, I would love if you could give maybe like one action or tool or maybe two depending on, you know, the, everything. Uh, but if you could give one or two tools that anyone listening right now can do either today, cause it's still early, right? We can still be better today. Right. There's still time. Um, or maybe they can start doing tomorrow that can really start just inching them forward towards climbing out of that hole if they're in that hole or if they're at their baseline creeping that baseline up right
0: yeah yeah and yeah. you're right like i can talk for days on this stuff so <laughs> you're exactly right um okay so first of all here's here's what we need to understand is that a human being has on average about 70 70 to 90,000 thoughts a day that run through our head. Um, And if you're super stressed, you might have upwards of 120,000. And if you're super Zen, like my husband, you might have, you know, 50,000 thoughts a day. But uh, for the average human being, 80% of those thoughts are negative in a day's time. So like, if I would just take all of us back to when the alarm went off this morning like some of us had 37 negative thoughts within the first two minutes of waking up. Like we said, Oh my gosh, I didn't get enough sleep and what's on my to-do list. And Oh my God, I didn't get all that stuff done yesterday. And then we yeah. and were like, my, my lower back hurts. And then we walk to the bathroom and we're like, shoot, I have a fever blister. And then we put our pants on and we're like, ding, these things are getting tight. Like it runs constantly. It runs constantly in the background of our mind. And there's a reason for this, you know, back in our times, the The reptilian part of the brain, the back part of the brain, yeah. was constantly scanning for danger. Right, like, yeah,
1: yeah, no, absolutely. It's yeah. an evolutionary There's mechanism. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Is there a saber tooth tiger? Is there a, a a group of people who are coming to kill me? Like that is the part of our brain that actually kept us safe. Is to just absolutely scan for negativity. Well, Chad, we still have the reptilian brain today. It's yep. part of our makeup. Um, And so what's crazy about that is the average human being, if you say 70,000 thoughts a day, that means that for the average human being, 56,000 of those thoughts are negative. Okay. And then what's even crazier is that 95% of the 80% of thoughts that are negative are the exact same thoughts you said to yourself the day before. (laughs) So we have to like change the neural feedback loop in your brain. So I'm going to give you... Um, I think there's there's five major things that we can do to move the needle on our happiness. And we're not gonna get into all of them this morning, but I'm gonna give you one, and I think it's a really powerful one. And it's it's so simple, but yet we we struggle to make ourselves do it. But I'm gonna tell you, I always tell people like, let's just make a one-degree shift. If you can just make a one degree shift in your life, we are having that forward momentum that you're talking about. And so the number one tool that I'm going to give you today for being able to get to change some of those 56,000 negative thoughts is really the simple concept of gratitude. Gratitude is one of the top five things that you can do to, to move up into that 40% range. And so here's what the research says. The research says that if you were to simply write down three different things you are thankful for every single day for the next 21 days, you actually change the neural feedback loop that is running in your brain. And of course, we want to continue that practice, not just for 21 days, but after 21 days, you see, we all have these neural feedback loops that go in our brain, right? And it's our, you know, we know that neurons that fire together wire together and the ones that talk to each other are the most create like these kind of roads in our brain. And the more that road is traveled, the deeper that rut gets that we we want to travel that road more and more and more. So in order to change the feedback loop, we actually have to change it intentionally. And by creating a gratitude practice, just, and and there is power. I tell people you do need to write it down. You know, I, I have a gratitude journal. I love going to TJ Maxx. I used to love going to TJ Maxx, right? And and I, I love to get their little journals with a neat little quote. And all I do every day is I put the date and then I write the words. I am thankful dot, 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 because I think there's power in words. And I jot down. Personally, I do 10 now because that's just my practice has evolved over 10 years. But I tell people, all you need is three. And they don't have to be profound things. They can be like, I took a breath today I looked outside and the sun was shining, you know, my dogs making whatever it could be something so small. But that little practice has the ability to completely change your life.
1: I love it. That's fantastic. So if there's one thing you do today, there's still time to do it it's still early enough, everybody. Maybe just jot down those three things you're grateful for, three things you can, so you can start rewiring that brain and raising that base level, right? Yeah. Control that 40%. Wow, Kim, this has been just so fantastic. Uh, Jeff uh, in the comments has been sharing a cool app he uses. He says he starts every day um, as well. Um, Dave Schmidau is going to check this out later on the podcast. So, so many awesome questions and, and conversations. I'm sure that as people listen to this later on today, they're going to just think of a bunch of other questions. So what's one, one place people can find you or a couple ways people can find you? Okay.
0: Um, well, one of the things that I would love to, to give to your people is here's what COVID did. So I've always wanted to incorporate a happiness curriculum in schools because I've always felt that you know, I don't want my students to just walk away and be better readers and better writers and better mathematicians. Like I've always just said, like, we all just want kids to actually be good at life too. And teaching them some of these real life things like, you know, how do like, I would totally teach my students a gratitude practice. We did that, you know, they would jot down three things every day they were thankful for. Um, And so what my team and I did is we actually created this thing called the happiness lab. And it's over 25 free, ready-made video lessons that are all on different topics for students. So we have like a set of K-5 lessons and a set of 6 through 12 lessons. And it's like me, I might be walking them through like what is happiness or the gratitude practice or whatever it might be. So I'm just going to um, actually, can I drop that in the chat? Uh,
1: the, the, you can put it in the comments after the video is oh, over. Yeah, you no, I'll
0: just drop it in there um and And lab they just you know put their email in and then it emails them the access to all of that there's lesson plans there if they they teach the lesson themselves um yeah so that's that's one um way you can connect with me my website is strobeleducation.com um and then i actually i kind of i don't know if i should say this or not but i have a free facebook group but chad it's mostly made up of women in my free Facebook group only because it's where women are talking about the struggles of being a woman. Um, we have a few strong men in there. I'll tell you, we do have a few strong men who like to be part of the conversation too, but um, that's just called she finds joy. It's, it's the name of my she podcast.
1: Finds joy. Yeah. Cool.
0: So, yeah. Thanks for having me. And I just, it's really nice to see the educators showing up here and commenting. I, I've been reading through the comments too. And, you know, I, I just think like, there's no other profession that gets to influence and impact lives um, 180 days a year. And that's that's what you all do. And really just taking a moment to hold space for that and and make sure that you see the value uh, that you continue to show up and do this for our kids, regardless of, of the situations and the circumstances. It's really yeah. something that, you know, we don't always take a moment to really honor what we are doing.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Kim, thank you so much for sharing those amazing resources with our audience. Um, Thank you so much for sharing those amazing tips. So be happy in the now. Keep your vision and mission. Control and own your 40%. Okay, let me know if I'm missing anything. And then take advantage of uh, and be grateful. Have gratitude. All right? Like, those are, those are the four bullet points I'm taking with me throughout the rest of this day and probably the rest of my life. So I want to thank you for that personally. but I think everyone can absolutely um, benefit from that. Um, Kim, I'm sure that you can kind of visit this and drop those links in the comments for everybody. Thank you so much for offering that to our audience. That's a fantastic um, opportunity for them to take advantage of those free resources that you're offering. Um, but thank you so much for stopping in on the daily drop-in. And uh, everyone have a fantastic day. Thanks again, Kim.
0: Happy Friday, everyone.